Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Miller Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, the only podcast in the world to review every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers classic, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm delighted to introduce uh, five guests we have joining us on Filthy Harold Minute to discuss some doomed kids in a haunted bus. We have both parts of Mystic Pizza Minute podcast, John and Dave. Hello. Hi there. How are you guys going? We're doing very well. Not too bad. One of us might have taken mushrooms earlier today. I am not going to say I didn't. <laughs> Are you guys big Dirty Harry fans? I wouldn't say big fans. I've seen the movie a couple times. But uh, it's a little fascist for my taste, perhaps. We'll uh, earmark that for later discussion. <laughs> I haven't seen Dirty Harry since I was maybe 10 years old. And I... Uh, did not really prepare for this minute because I wasn't supposed to be here earlier. But I did see the minute. Thank you very much. I hope you've got it on the background. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Our next guest is returning guest and author of new book, Mad Dogs and Thunderbolts, but not Lightfoots. We have Ben Popji. <laughs> Good morning or afternoon. I don't know when people are listening to this. Good whenever. Thank you for writing this new book. Is it? No, you're welcome. Anyhow related to Dirty Harry? Uh, well, I mean, there's guns in it, and uh, there are there are police who just can't get the job done, and old who are made to look foolish with old-fashioned Irish names like Callahan or Lonergan yeah, yeah, and yeah, so forth. Callahan like and Murphy, and uh, you know, you know, all those Irish people that Ned Kelly killed. <laughs> They're not actually in the book because it's because it's about non it's about non Kelly bush ranging, right? Basically. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, we also have your. Uh, we have a man who keeps you on the straight and narrow. Records his podcast sometimes in public barbecues. He's the Michael Winslow to Ben, Steve Gutenberg, Cam Smith. Thank you. I don't know if I can live up to that. That was strange. Are you? I think. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the man of a thousand voices. Yeah, just one croaky one today. Yeah, but there are other. <laughs> there are nine hundred ninety-nine other ones normally. My co-host definitely has a look on his face like the Kevin Smith. <laughs> like Cam Smith. Cam Smith. <laughs> I got a little excited. Yeah, well, once again, I uh, yeah, I wasn't prepared to uh, come on this today. So uh, literally anybody could show up and I'd be like, wow, Kev I'm on a podcast with Kevin Smith. <laughs> well, many thanks for joining us, Cam. And we have our final guest. Uh, he's a slashy. He's a comedian and an actor, a theatre maker. You've seen him tread the boards both on The Neighbours and the hallowed La Mama stage, <laughs> smelly pubs. Uh, we have actor-comedian Ollie Coleman. Hey, it's me. Good to be here. Thanks for coming, Ollie. Well, thanks so much for having me. You are a big Dirty Harry fan? No. Um, <laughs> you like these Americans here. But but I, I have seen it. I'm, I'm a Dirty Harry novice. I'm the, <laughs> you know, the fresh blood coming at it. So, but you know, I have watched it, and it it was culturally in, invigorating. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for all joining us. Today we're reviewing Minute 84. The minute begins with some children about to alight from a bus and ends with some children singing Old MacDonald as the bus driver starts to cry. What did you think of this minute, Dave and John? Uh, you know, like, there was a, a lot to talk about from my point of view, but uh, perhaps not a lot just within the context of the movie. Um, I, I can't help but wonder, if, if somebody pointed a gun at you and asked you to start singing on a bus, what song do you think you might go for? Is Old MacDonald, like, a... Your first choice? I don't think anyone sees the well, gun. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't point the gun at the kids. They think he's just a. They think he's a regular. You know. You know how sometimes when you go into school and dudes just get on a bus and start and get you to start singing. They think it's just one of those regular occurrences. So old McDonald's is just part of their usual repertoire. It's just her favorite yeah, song. I, I would say you're like. Imagine you weren't on a bus and somebody just stopped you on the sidewalk and was like, hey, you sing a song. Yeah. And like, like you had to do it within like three seconds or else, you know, or else whatever. But I don't know, maybe old McDonald. Because whatever, you, you have to pick the best song, you know, or just the easiest song you could whip out. Well, I think I think the thing is she, she has to pick a song that is not only catchy, but also suitable for a mass singing because everyone wants to join in. Everyone knows so the words. So you can't do like "Don't Stop right. Believing" because that's more a solo. <laughs> you can't thing. be the only one singing. You have to give somebody else something to do. Also, yeah. Now earlier, you might have mentioned to me that you uh, don't have yellow school buses out in Australia. No, this we do not. not. No, our school buses just look like all the other buses. It's weird. <laughs> what color are your buses? They come in a range of colours. Some of them are blue. Some of them are white. Like, they're just regular buses. They're like, just we buses, just have yeah. buses and some of them happen to take school kids. Yeah. I see. Huh. It's a whole different world here. Well, uh, our, um, our yellow buses, I know, are modelled after uh, prison buses. Yeah, so that makes I don't sense. Think, I don't think our prison buses are yellow, but they paint them yellow after, <laughs> you know... After they've served their prison purposes, and then they, they repurpose them for children. Having buses that are, you know, that stand out, especially as school buses, makes it a lot easier for your aspiring Zodiac types. If you want to take a school, a school bus hostage, it's easy to tell which bus is the school bus. And that just... Well, I, that leads me to a question I have, which is, is the Scorpio improvising here? Does he know that this bus is going to be in this particular spot at this particular moment? Well, he's running towards it. He's late to his own kidnapping, I was saying before. He seems very casual. Like, he doesn't seem to have planned it that well. No, he steals the gun and then appears to just walk straight to this bus stop. If he'd got there 10 seconds earlier, he could have had a full bus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, John. Yes. Do you think the bus driver legitimately likes the kids or is this just like, have a nice day? Or is that just the polite American demeanor of uh, your average civil servant? Oh, it's hard to say because I don't know. I remember a lot of my bus drivers that I had as a kid myself. And uh, I'm not sure if any of them ever knew me by name. You know, like I would always know the name of my bus driver. Like we had this one guy named Cliff and this one lady named Tina. But like I, I don't think she ever knew our names or anything. So I think I think they're just generally the kids that she drives. You know, all of them could be the same kid, and it means no difference to her. I lived in the states for two years when I was a kid, and um, we were really scared of our bus driver, and we were convinced. Why? 
uh, she was horrible. She was really mean. And then at Halloween, she gave us all candy and none of us ate it because we thought she'd poisoned it. Um, <laughs> That's a shame because only by eating it could you ever have found out for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this bus driver seems much nicer than that last bus driver. I mean, she is. she does seem sad at the possibility of the children all being murdered. So, she at least doesn't actively loathe them to the point of sort of collaborating with Scorpio. She might just be sad that she's going to be murdered first, though. That's true. Yeah, what if, what if, she, just, what if she just said no? Cam, do you like the old-fashioned American word lunch pail? Just sounds like a, wor- a Flintstone taking his pail to work or something. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, you've got to... He's just getting on now as you're playing it, and he does this... His trick for getting on the bus is, is to say the school bus inspector. Now, there aren't school bus inspectors. Why does she let him on? Well, he just gets <laughs> yeah, on. I was wondering that too. It seems like the first rule of being a bus driver would be don't let people that don't belong on the bus onto the bus. Although, I'm not really sure what she could do about it. Mm-hmm. And he, he did just kind of make his way on there. He didn't knock or anything. He, uh, he stepped on board. Yeah, I mean, look, the school bus inspector shtick lasts like five seconds. He pretty much may as well have just pulled a gun in the doorway and said, I'm a man with a gun and I'm getting on this bus. Right. I don't know why he bothered faking anything. Well, he wants the kids to stay calm, right? That's why he also asks them to sing. Yeah. And showing them a gun would probably not... the school bus inspector thing is for the benefit of the children, Mm. like those, except for the one that is suspiciously old... Those children don't oh, care. Yeah. They're like five years old. The braces girl. Yeah, the girl with the the girl just behind looks like My she clearly sees the gun. That he thought that she might know what's up. Yeah, she's uh, she's definitely my favorite character in this scene. She might be my favorite character in Dirty Harry. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the girl in the braces who's like sixteen, while all the other kids are like ten years old. So I think I think I think she's kind of knowing uh, a little bit more than the other kids the situation at hand. And uh, she, she's doing very well. She, she just slips right into it. She's like, I'm also a 10-year-old. I know, I know Wheels in the Bus, or I know Old <laughs> MacDonald, because, because me and my fellow 10-year-old friends have no idea what's going on here. Uh, Ollie, do you think the pigtail girl sees the gun or no? Her vision's obscured. Well, I think she's just badly acting it here. I, don't, I, think, I think in real, in the scene where the actor sees the gun, but the girl knows that she's not meant to so she just kind of does a blank stare here not giving anything away how loud is his voice yeah, i mean like, uh, like even if she does see the gun uh, or not like does her day change at all <laughs> if she doesn't react at all you know like uh, like you could you could probably go home having seen the gun and not even tell your parents that story just be like how was school school was good I really yeah. think, you know, especially after Ollie's story about his his bus driver, um, there's every chance the kids would be on Scorpio's side. Uh, he should have at least tried to enlist them when he gets on. Uh, <laughs> they could be his accomplices and we could have a whole other movie about like Scorpio. She'd probably raise her hand if he ever asked, like, anybody want to help? And then that yeah, girl exactly. with the braces is like, me, me, I've been helping this whole time. Uh, Dave, John, does the word lunch pail still get a regular use in America? I would call it a lunch box, and even those are kind of out of fashion a little bit. Most people bring bagged lunches. 
Mm. I think you can get them like they're like limited edition tins, you know, with like a Back to the Future scene on them. But I don't know if people actually use them for the purpose that they're made for. I think you buy them and then you put them on your shelf at home. Next to your, like, uh, your, what do you call them? The Funko Pops. Next to your Funko Pops. And you certainly don't put food in them because then they're going to smell. A lunch pail that they're referring to here. Is that the same thing as a lunchbox? Because we have lunchboxes here, but I picture a lunch pail as being an actual little bucket full of food. Full of food, yeah. No, I haven't personally encountered any of those. I wonder if, um, you know, the the more trendier ones that you can buy, if they still have uh, thermoses inside. All oh, right, right. Do you guys have the ones that have like the the little the the, the cold cup, you know, with the yeah, screw we on have top? those. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you guys have thermos? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everything we know about Australia, we learned from that uh, that one episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, what, what way your your toilet water spins, but uh, for the record, I'm not asking that question. No, that would be beneath us. That would yeah. be so beneath us. I mean, it's just such a fantasy in that episode to think that Australia actually has plumbing. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone here seen The Gauntlet? Because in The Gauntlet, Harry, uh, sorry, the cop and Sondra Locke try and hijack a bus because they're using it to get into the city, right? Right. And the bus driver turns and says, hijack a bus? Are you guys crazy? Scorpio's crazy. Well, I have a question. Are are you guys familiar with the Faraday school kidnapping of 1972? Yes, we've covered that before. Yes, uh, later remade into a movie. Fortress. Fortress, yeah. All right, well, that's one of two, like, uh, at the time, current events thing I had. The other one, the reason I chose this minute, though, was I had a sneaking suspicion that perhaps this minute was actually about something happening in American politics at the time. Oh, please, tell us more. Which would be Swan versus Charlotte uh, Mecklenburg, uh, the Board of Education, 1971. It's a Supreme Court case that allowed uh, busing to address segregation in the U.S. Mm. And many people were against it. And so a lot of parents had anxiety surrounding school buses that perhaps this movie is playing on. Which strangely is has suddenly flared up in the politics of today because... Biden and Harris are arguing over who opposed busing. Do you feel like this Dirty Harry has a underlyingly... Uh... Well, let's look at it for a moment. Um, so this movie, which I already said I think is a little bit on the fascist side, it, it portrays kind of a fake hippie or a hippie serial killer taking a bunch of children on a bus hostage to accomplish his own ends, which... You know, you might read a little bit into that in terms of where the filmmakers uh, opinion lie. It's a metaphor for early 70s SJWs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Famously, guys, the real Zodiac killer threatened to shoot kids getting on and off a school bus. And David Fincher lived in the Bay Area at the time. Um, He was one of the kids whose dad made him get off the bus because of a report that was in the Chronicle. So it does sort of trade on the the Zodiac link of Scorpio in the screenwriter's minds in 1969. And uh, then the Zodiac killer grew up to be Ted Cruz, who's also active in today's politics. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny. Do do any of you guys have like a similar bus story um, as this one? Like, has anybody ever... uh, It's a weird lead in. Infiltrated one of your buses as a child. 
who no, wasn't supposed to be there. The only threat when I was in a bus was a, a fellow, was a jock. And as he get off the bus a bit earlier than me, he had a, a piece of craft cheese and he rammed it in my hair and mushed it up. So the real threats are, are the school oh, no. kids in the bus, not, not the outsiders. On a, um, on a school trip once when we were going to uh, uh, Canberra or something, um, we had a really bad experience because... There was a TV up the front of the bus and the bus driver put on What A Girl Wants with Amanda Bynes. And that was a tough time for us all. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you'd call that exactly terrorism, but... Incidentally, that girl, she looks a bit like Amanda Bynes. Well, so, with the braces, I could see that, maybe. Bit of Amanda Bynes, bit of Barbara Streisand. Uh, Ollie, does the bus look a bit smaller inside or is it just the angle we're looking at? No, I think it is one of those uh, those short buses that they <laughs> have in America. There's the long buses. Are you going on the size of the bus or the looks on the faces of the kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, bu- the, the bus is small. And I, I find it weird that they let all the ki- other kids get off. Maybe they didn't have No, the they were getting off at that stop. At that stop. Okay. So, is this the end of the day or the start of the day? Well, it has to be the end of the day or the kids wouldn't- They'd, they'd all be going to the same place, wouldn't they? Yeah. They'd be picking people up, not dropping them off. Yeah, and he just came from a liquor store. What time do liquor stores right. open? <laughs> well, I, I think that might be a, a trick of editing, actually, because it seems like it was nighttime when he was at the liquor store. Yeah, so he's not going straight from the liquor store to this bus? Well, he's walking pretty slowly. I guess it could have taken him a while. I mean, he's, he's late. The, he's we already know that he's late because he's really rushing. He's really afraid of missing the bus, which rusher? is good because that... that <laughs> That makes him relatable to the viewer. But we're all like, oh, we know what it's like to have to run for a bus. He's just like us. Yeah, that's true. Like, what, what do you think he would have done if the bus drove by? Like, would he catch the next, like, a truck going by or something? Like, a truck full of chickens or something? <laughs> yeah. John, Dave, can you imagine Jim Carrey playing Scorpio? Jim Carrey? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I think he would do a very good job. Like, what era Jim Carrey are we talking? As a Scorpio, but he would do his own thing. It would be it would be a Jim Carrey Scorpio. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, the cable guy almost is Scorpio, isn't he? Right. Yeah, I think early Jim Carrey. I can imagine late era Jim Carrey as the bus driver. Right. I would love to see Jim Carrey as Scorpio in, like, a comedic way. Like, if he played Scorpio like he plays Dr. Robotnik or something. But I just don't think Jim Carrey would do that if he was given a role like Scorpio. He would probably get all, like, sad and dark Jim Carrey. Like, like the Jim Carrey you don't ever want to see but keeps popping up. <laughs> Although he, he famously uh, denounced his own role in Kick-Ass 2. Oh, yeah. Due to it being yeah, too yeah. violent. So, I don't know if he'd do this movie at all. I never saw Kick-Ass 2. He got a, a bee in his bonnet about violence. Yeah. I just, I think he didn't want to go on the tour, I think was the problem. <laughs> so he was like, I don't like guns. That's why I'm not doing this press junket. Yeah. But really he was just like tired and didn't want to get on a bus. It's exhausting being Jim Carrey. Hey, after seeing Dirty Harry, no one wants to get on a bus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like the jaws of buses. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys worked out who's like, who's the Millhouse, who's the Kearney? Who's the Joey Jeremiah on this bus? <laughs> Who's the alpha dog on the stop, bus? Stop mixing up. <laughs> you can't have Millhouse and Joey Jeremiah in the same... In my universe, you can. <laughs> who's the alpha dog, John, in this bus? Who's who's in control? Pigtail Girl or Old McDonald? definitely not. I really, 
I really got to give props to the girl who uh, just immediately started singing when, yeah. you know, she just, she just stepped right up to the role. Yeah. She was like, I know a song. Here we go right now. Boom. And then everybody's in 100%. So good for that girl. I think the boy sitting behind the pigtail girl is in charge. And I think he has <laughs> them all in like a subtle psychological grip that there's a whole thing going on before Scorpio even gets on the bus. And it's the way that this kid is terrorizing the whole school, including the driver. He both smelt it and dealt it. Do you guys think there's a chance that every one of these kids knows exactly what's going on and they're all just doing like what they should be doing correctly? The pigtail girl looks like she would definitely join a cult at some point in her life. If she already hasn't. <laughs> Jonestown, of course. The braces girl looks kind of like, do you know that meme with the uh, the girl with the, there's that meme with the girl with the braces, like, who's like, oh my God, or whatever. Oh my God, Burks. Goosebumps girl. The Goosebumps yeah. girl, yeah. I could see that. Well, Ollie, being an actor, do you detect, like, who's, who, are there any of these kids could be, have the kernel of what makes a good actor, or are they all just reacting to the casting director saying, or the. I, I reckon all of the kids, except for the pigtail girl, are pretty uh. convincing. Jeez, we're being harsh on this girl. <laughs> How do we know the director didn't instruct her to act like that? Yeah. It's not her fault. Uh, this kid at the back, though, the back of the bus, he's really waving his hands around. I think he's over egging the, the song. He's been put out of the back. For a reason. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad egg. <laughs> You've got to give her props for going with old McDonald and not like a real basic bitch idea like the wheels on the bus. That's true. It's left field. That's I, I actually had forgotten the song and I thought she was going to start singing wheels on the bus when I watched it just before. It's another in. Has anyone here seen A Perfect World, the Eastwood movie with Kevin Costner? Kevin no. Costner takes hostage a family in a station wagon and he gets them to sing old McDonald there as well. I thought he, I thought Scorpio should have picked a challenging song, like a tongue twister to get them all engaged. Just like when you have drunks, the best thing is to give them like a stupid task to do. Like Sailing by Rod Stewart. <laughs> Cam, hmm. do you think Scorpio's use of the word old hag, does that fit his character? Wouldn't he use the beat bitch or something? Or are you? Oh, it, it is a funny choice, but Scorpio's a man that makes funny choices. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I get... It's sort of, I mean, that was one of the Zodiac things, right? That he did make unusual word choices. Yeah. I wonder if it's playing on that a little bit. Possibly. John Were you allowed to say bitch in movies back then? Now, Ollie, we talked last minute about this movie uses yellow symbolically a lot. You've got the crochet swimsuit the girl shot at the start, the ransom bag, the title card. Um... Yeah, is yellow supposed to be a stand-in for innocence? Is that are you taught about the color yellow in acting? Is yellow seen as a? Uh, well, what, what does yellow normally symbolize? Cowardice, cowardice doesn't, yeah. it, doesn't it? Cowardice. When this um, movie seems to be innocence, the cowardice of kind of the police bureaucracy and system not letting Dirty Harry kind of uh, go all the way to bring this guy to justice. Um, is it also is California the? Yellow, like the Golden State, is that what California is? Yes, that's is? right. And the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Killer. Um, and often there's kind of, in all the different scenes, there's there's blood splashed across the gold, like the swimsuit again. That's kind of the, um, I suppose, when, when, when was the end of the Summer of Love? Like 69 and that sort of thing. It's kind of the loss of the innocence and the hope that the 60s had, kind of moving into the 70s. Yeah. Which the Zodiac definitely contributed to. 
Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, that cowardice, like, I mean, of the police bureaucracy is why Scorpio is even here. He shouldn't be walking the streets. He should be... Hobbling the streets. Yeah, he shouldn't be hobbling the streets. He should be in jail. And so I know they couldn't, you know, make the charges stick because of, you know, torture or whatever. But at least they could have stripped him of his bus inspector license. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like, yeah, there should be... Surely you shouldn't have to go through so much red tape to get someone disendorsed as a bus inspector. Like, it's madness that he has that. It's ridiculous they didn't do background checks on him before giving him the job. Mm. <laughs> two of the bus kids, the dire bus kids, played by two young sisters who are the daughters of Lieutenant George Dyer, the real-life inspiration for Harry Callahan. Not Tusky. Tusky. Well, one of the real life in Is that a bit of trivia? Wow. But there is, yeah, there is trivia, you know. So. Has anyone seen Dirty Grandpa? Uh, uh, the remake uh, of Dirty Harry. <laughs> it has the same font and the same yellow uh, text as Dirty Harry. And I'm not happy about that. I didn't even, uh, just, I didn't realise Dirty Harry. Well, I suppose I must have known Dirty Harry had a font, but I don't, I don't know what the Dirty Harry Impact, font is. I think. <laughs> Sudden. Papyrus? <impact>. No. <laughs> um... We haven't talked about Fincher's Zodiac in a while. Are you, anyone here, a particular fan of that film? I love that film. People love it. It's my favourite film of all time. Wow. Wow. You want to copyright, trademark uh, uh, Zodiac Minute? Would you say the Zodiac is your favourite serial killer? Oh, yeah, he's up there. But as I said, he just offed a few citizens and then became a footnote. You know... There's more people die in the changeling, the changeling movie, Clint Eastwood. Than, why is he? Why is he continue to capture your imagination, Cam? I mean, well, I mean, not not his axe, but him as a. I think it's just the fact that he just did disappear. I mean, yeah, it was Arthur Lee Allen. You reckon? Yeah. Well, I mean, that make, that does make the most sense. But then there are there are things where it's like I don't know. Are you familiar with the uh, Unabomber Zodiac theory? No. Ted, Ted, yeah, Ted Kaczynski was the Zodiac killer. So there's this idea that, uh, like, the Zodiac killings where he's sort of immature, uh, like, romantic rage sort of killings, and then he matured as a person. Mm. Realized there, there had to be a better way. Yeah, he developed these ideas ideology about... Ideology. Yeah, this ideology and this anti-technology thing, and he started this new sort of impersonal thing. Yeah. It was a new stage. And there are some sort of... There's a book called, I think, Unizod... Which uh, lays out... No, no publisher ever persuaded him to change it. Do you like that title? <laughs> it's a, it is self-published. That's that Sean Connery movie, isn't it? Uh, Zardas. Isn't that what he wears? A Unizod? <laughs> Mankini type thing. Uh, it lays out a convincing case while you're reading it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you read like anything else afterwards that lays out a case for other people, you're like, okay, no, that's stupid. Or if you read anything else about anything, it just snaps you back into the world. Yeah. Someone wrote the Unabomber, like, they, they published one of his letters, is that right? And that actually caused someone to say, hey, that's sort of my, a trademark of my relative. And so it's actually an example where sometimes the media can publish notes and it, it doesn't just ego boost, but it may lead to the detection of the... Yeah, yeah, so that was one of the similarities that they both taunted the, the press. Yeah. But yeah, he insisted that his manifesto be printed. And then it was less that they noticed like subtle similarities yeah. in the writing. It was like, they were like, oh, that's my crazy brother <laughs> uh, who's always going on about this stuff. Do people do Tourette's, have Tourette's in writing only? Like, 
I give, give me money now. You fucking cunt, fucking cunt. You know, I want money now. I'm a Unabomber. You're not fucking cunt. No, never happens. I assume Tourette's in writing comes out as just suddenly the pen jerks all over the page. <laughs> but there, there is I don't stuff. like the name Unabomber. No. Sounds like a plane. <laughs> there, there is stuff like, uh, there's the theory that the Zodiac chose sort of water themed. Like a lot of the places where he killed people had stuff to do with nature. Well, funny, that happens a lot in action movies, doesn't it? Ending in industrial parks or around water where they do their deeds, you know. But like things like killing someone on Lake Street or, you know, whatever boulevard. And the Unabomber, there were similar things with that as well, where there are a lot of nature themed. Obviously, he was a nature themed killer. So they were the same guy. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You a big Zodiac fan, Ollie? I've seen the movie. Um, and I did enjoy it. Um, I th- in terms of serial killers, I think he's up there with, uh, you know, one of one of the most interesting. What do you think? I feel like at the moment now, culturally, there's like a, a fascination and obsession with serial killers more so than maybe previous decades. Do you, what do you th- think? Generally, it's life, life in the West has generally become more safe. But at the same time, we that's what we choose. Yeah, it's more engaging well, it's, for us. Which, which makes the serial killer scarier because the serial killer, by its nature, is seen as the person who invades the safe space. Yes. I think we're at a point in history where the, an ordinary citizen is at least risk of coming up against a serial killer. It's definitely yeah. a profession that benefited from no mobile phones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and no okay. DNA evidence and yeah. that sort of thing. And all that sort of thing. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of lot of uh, non-serial killers who, in recent times, would have become serial killers were it not for improved police techniques. Yeah, and just improved policing. Like not- improved mental health services, that sort of thing. But, I mean, there are lots of serial killers out there now, but it's just that they're generally killing people who no one cares about, yeah. which is... Yeah. Which is a smart move. You know, credit to them. There's a theory that there's a lot of truckers in America that are serial killers because you can just go from yeah. place to place and there's people at, like, the road stops that no one is going to miss. Are there a lot of people... Is is there any body count to back that up, though? Or are we just assuming there's a lot of people disappearing from truck stops? I think a lot of people disappear. There's, like, a correlation between trucking routes and yeah. unexplained murders. But, yeah, I I guess these days, like, the Zodiac sort of was very revolutionary in their killing style. But that was because they were, like, one of the first people doing it. They're like, oh, I put a torch on my gun. It's like, that was pretty whiz-bang at the time. (laughs) That's how the Navy SEALs got the idea, isn't it? Well, they're very different movies, Dirty Harry and Zodiac. But one, one through line is they're both about obsession, right? Obviously, in this case, we know who the killer is, and it's just about the obstacles in front of Harry. But like Toshi, he's like this case degrades his life. Or I suppose Dirty Harry has a lot of these cases in his career, but it just that's he becomes obsessed. So they're both movies about obsession, and they're both movies where the last third of the movie you think, well, "Fucking, are you going to wind this up? What's going to happen? We're going to have a seven style resolution and a payoff." But this movie has a long, a long protracted. Do you like the end, Ben? I like the very end. Yes. Um, I mean, the the final face-off between them is it's it's adequate. Yeah. I like the I like the throw on the badge at the end. Our previous guest um, Jordan Kane from Film Slice Podcast, he said Harry doesn't really learn anything about 
harassment. Like, it could have gone straight from the DA dressing down, you should have got rights, to him being released in this scene. We'd, I mean, as much as I love the every penny's worth bit, he doesn't learn anything from that. It's just... I well, love see, it. but that's coming from the point of view of someone who is already not on Harry's side. Yeah. You see. Because you're saying, oh, he doesn't learn anything. But if you take Harry's side to begin with, well, he shouldn't learn anything. It's the other cops who should be learning something from Harry, yeah, right. which is the point of the movie. Yeah. And admittedly, I mean, it, it's, you know, the guys before said it was fascist, mm-hmm. which it is a bit, but it's not a great... <laughs> it's, it's less fascist than it might have been because he is actually chasing a monstrous serial killer. Yeah. And so he has... He has a bit of logic on his side. This is this is not a guy who can be allowed to uh, roam free. I feel like Harry is the correct level of obsessed. Yeah. It's everyone else that's not obsessed enough. If he was chasing like a burglar in this manner, yeah. that would make Harry really deranged. But he is chasing Scorpio, who's a pretty bad guy. Yeah, he's not the bank robber. It's like they should have a team of people who are supposed to be following Scorpio. Yeah. It shouldn't just be... Dirty Harry doing it against the rules. Yes. Yeah, I I feel like, I mean, because Harry, I feel like Harry is not a guy who hates the idea of policing. He's he's just... No, he loves the police and he loves the force. When he throws his badge out at the The end... The force has has let everyone down, hasn't it? They're bad police. The the San Francisco police are just bad at their jobs in this movie. Do you feel like Dirty Harry is a bit like a Rambo in the sense that the sequels kind of negate what the first one showed. I mean, he throws his badge away at the end and then there's like four more movies where he's just a cop again. Yeah, like they say, his badge must have been on a piece of fishing line because it came back (laughs) to cash in. Yeah, I think the sequels have ruined its legacy a bit. Will you be doing the sequels minutes? I'd love to do Magnum Force, but I don't think I can find anyone else. The other remaining three are pieces of shit, really. You know, like the Deadpool? <laughs> no. The Deadpool is a harmless, is a harmless game. game. <laughs> well, Ollie, I think that's pretty much all we have uh, for this minute. So get out. But one question, we've got a real life actor. Yes. Do, you, do you think Eastwood's a good actor or is he just a classic reactor? Or, or is, that, is that good enough? Reacting is exactly what you want in acting. It's yeah. all about the reacting. I think he's, um, yeah, he is a... Uh, I suppose he's a good movie star, right? Like, he's really good at being Clint Eastwood. Like John Wayne. Yeah. But he'd be bad on stage at La Mama? Uh, <laughs> he'd be really good at being Clint Eastwood on stage at La Mama. Um, he's, Playing himself. Yeah, he's totally captivating and, and interesting. Um, and actually, I think he is a good actor. Like, that ho- his whole... Um, Whatever his whole uh, tagline from this film about the dirty punk and that sort of thing. It's a, it's like a, I was thinking that's a hard to deliver line convincingly. Well, it's clumsily written, being that this is a four. <laughs> yeah, and he really pulls it off. I could re- well, there's a reason it's so often misquoted because it's so much easier to say the way that people usually say it. Like, do you f- like, do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> Rather than you gotta ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Well, do you? It's like. <laughs> You're right. He could sound. He could have sounded really stupid saying that. They streamline it a bit in the opening credits of Magnum Force. He just says, "Do you feel lucky, punk?" When he has his hand. Yeah. Well, guys, can I? That's pretty much all we have for this minute eighty-four. Was it? Um, you guys will join me for another minute, hopefully. Yeah, another action-packed minute. <laughs> I think I've got to convince Ollie. His actor's eyes. Oh, aren't go on. Why not? Hey. <laughs> all right. 
Well, um, now David and John, um, their connection dropped out about halfway through. Uh, astute listeners may have detected we haven't heard from them in a while, but we've finally got them back on the line. Um, thank you, Dave and John, for being on our podcast. Um, wh- where can listeners find you? Hey, uh, thanks for having us, guys. It was uh, a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we had a really good time. Anytime you want to have us back on, we'd be happy to. You can find more of us at uh, Mystic Pizza Minute uh, on iTunes or whatever they call that now. Yeah, just, just basically type in Mystic Pizza Minute and anything that comes up is probably us. Uh, and also, uh, Zardoz Minute will hopefully be coming out at some point in the near future. Uh, it's a work in progress. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time on Dirty Harry. Harry. Dirty Harry Minute. 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 Recast-a-rama. 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 Find nothing we've outgrown If there's to be a shitty remake Here's some suggestions the producers should take In their recast-a-rama Nick Cage Recast-a-rama Jim Carrey Recast-a-rama Hemsworth Recast-a-rama The Rock Recast-a-rama Tom Hardy Russell Crowe Recast-a-rama Recast-a-rama This movie set the mold All the cliches cop dramas could hold If we were to tell the story again Who would we pick for Harry and his men? In the Recast-a-rama Mick Jagger Recast-a-rama David Spade Recast-a-rama Fivish Finkel Recast-a-rama Nudge from Haydad Recast-a-rama The guy from Tism Recast-a-rama Hemsworth Recast-a-rama Mandania Recast-a-rama Tom Hardy Recast-a-rama Nick Cage